All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Chodesh Tov, it is the new month of Av. Bittersweet on the one hand, the happy new month, uh, a new new beginnings. Rosh Chodesh means like, a, I call it Rosh Chadash, a new head, new mind that you can get. At the same time, it's Av, which we recall the destruction of two temples and the rejection of the land of Israel uh, by the Jewish people in the desert. So there's definitely a painful side to this month. Today is Rosh Chodesh here in Israel. I am joined by, by my beloved Malka Fleischer. Shalom and welcome, Malka. Thank you, Shalom. Welcome to me, thank, to you. Thank you very much for welcoming us to your home. And um, it's it's Corona time. Yeah, and it's, it's all kinds of stuff right now. Yeah, it's all kinds it's of stuff. It's the nine days. Right. Because we just started Rosh Chodesh Av, which right. means the nine-day mourning period in which we mourn between the... Uh, breaking down basically of the walls of Jerusalem all the way through the breaking into the temple and the destruction of the temple by the Romans and by Babylonians. The Babylonians. That's right. Uh, and also also many bad things happened uh, during these the, during this this period in Jewish history, the expulsion from Spain, the expulsion from Gush Katif. Uh, in Hebron 1929, the Jews were massacred on the 18th of Av and they said it was twice Tisha B'Av. That's what they said. Nine times two. They mm. said it was nine, twice as bad. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of that. At the same time, um, well, actually, let me let me let me actually hold on to this the bad stuff. Let me let me actually just focus in on that for a second. Something that I want to tell you, you can believe the next phrase or not believe it, but things go funky and sometimes bad during this period. Right. True. 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 So if your stuff, especially your stuff, your like car laundry machine, a crack in your house, something like happens. You're, you're, let, let's, the proverbial you coffee. You a $100 bill on your table and you knew it was there and it was definitely there and now it's gone. Right. I w- I'll say the proverbial coffee mug. Okay, your proverbial beloved coffee mug yep. that said best mom, best dad in the world, whatever, it fell and it cracked. That is very nine days. That, that is a phenomenon that happens. Now- It's a time of suffering. I say this in three, for three different reasons. One is, is that once you know that, it a little bit mitigates the anger, the pain, the frustration. That you know that there's like some stuff that's going to happen. It's just that time of year. Right. Two is that, that even on a deeper level of mitigation, we're taking the breaks, the reverberation of the breaks of the temple. And so if you could appreciate that and say, this cup broke because the temple broke, and I'm feeling the pain, or maybe I'm even lessening the pain by absorbing that shock. Right. So that makes you feel uh, a, a little bit better. And I think that that's actually the deeper meaning of it. Um, what was the third way of seeing it? I don't remember right now what the third way of seeing it is. But the bottom line is that is that there's pain right now. Oh, the third way is that we're also in a time of rebuilding. And I have Yishai's famous parable of the ninth of Av, in our era. Okay. It's Ishai's famous parable. We're ready. Here's how it goes. Ready, go. The parable is there are two, I've said this before on the show, so if you've been a long-time listener, you may remember it. There are two single women in a room. Both are single. Both are unmarried. One, though, and therefore they have the same status as two unmarried women. But one, her husband just died. God forbid. And the other one is engaged to be married. So, yes, their status is legally the same. But their situation different is tra- different trajectories. Different situation altogether, 
And that is the ninth of Av in our time. We live in a time of engagement. We are engaged for that third temple. It's on the way. Amen. We're living in that time. We, we are living in a time of, of, of redemption. Uh, and, well, so, and so, yes, we continue to mourn, but with a forward-looking towards rebuilding. And I want to tell you, in the last few days, here in the land of Israel, you and I have been driving to places. We drove to the Kinneret with the yes. family. And what we saw, and what we saw also yesterday when we drove to Yerushalayim, I went to do to a skin doctor just to do the do yearly checkup. Our amazing skin doctor, by the way, in Harnof, who's not only Dr. Shamroth, who's not only a great skin doctor, but has written a whole book about the calculation of the cal- calculation of the month in the Jewish calendar. How to calculate the month wow. with, with the moon cycle and the whole thing. We're talking astronomy, mathematics. So we told him we were coming and we were like, Dr. Shamroth, get a book ready. That's right. And I got one of those books. And we bought one of his books. And I can tell you after reading it, didn't understand the damn thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but could, <laughs> what is the line, Maka? Did not understand one word. One word. Uh, what movie is that from, friends? What movie is that from? Did not I have un- read this book. I have read this Torah didn't understand the word. Okay, uh, so write in. Yeah, write in hashtag. Tell me what you and and maybe we'll get you. Can we get them some kind of prize for that, Malka? Well, I have to think of it. What we should we to, give them? I don't know. We'll, we'll give them we'll, something. We'll think of it off air. But you'll you'll get something if anything. Our appreciation. Anyway, that that's the parable. We're living in a time. Oh, so we're driving all around the country, and what are we seeing? Building, building, building. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. So much beautiful building. So much just power of the rebirth of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. It is it is incredible. It is it is so powerful and so obvious that the land is being rebuilt. And you could tell mountains are being cleared, which is a process. You know, they break them into little boulders and then they break the boulders into little boulders right. and little little and they pulverize them into dust. And you know what? Like you could see that the mountains like yeah, it's, it's not sad. It's like a, it's happy. It's like, let's go. Now, I've said this before years ago also. There's a midrash that says that why is the land of Israel hilly and mountainous so that when the Jewish people come, it'll flatten out and make room for all of them. Ladies and gentlemen, for 2,000 years, that midrash was a parable. Who knew what they meant was... It will actually be flattened right, out. Right, we will flatten the mountains and to make houses room and nice roads. for the Jews in the land of Israel. Well, Ishai, it's, it's, uh, it's good that you're talking about this, actually, because I just Thank saw you. a new story, and it's really, really hot off the presses. Um, and we didn't, So we didn't even talk about it. You, didn't, you had no idea I was going to talk about this on the show. The headline that I, of the article I'm reading says, Huge Kingdom of Judah, Government Complex Found Stones Throw from U.S. Embassy. Get out. Among the 2,700-year-old finds, 120 inscribed seal impressions on jars at storage facility holding food collected as taxes for King Hezekiah and Manasseh in First Temple, Jerusalem. Ding. Basically, they did a huge excavation, the Israel Antiquities Authority, um, just three mile, three kilometers, which is 1.8 miles outside the old city, they did a dig. Um, right near the new U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem, which is the old, old U.S. consulate, consulate right. in Jerusalem. <laughs> um, and they found, like I said, 120 jar handles indicating that the location had been used as a storage and tax center. Prevalent among the stamp inscriptions is Lamulk. No, Lamelech, the Lamelech. Lamulk. L-M-A-K-H. Lamelech, or That's belonging right. to the king. A we- way of marking that the foodstuff stored in the jars had been tithed to the Judean ruler. 
that is what we found in Hebron as well. That's how I know about the Lamelech seals, the LMKH. That's what they call right. it in English. You can look it up on, on, on Wikipedia. But we found five of those in Hebron as well. Wow. And also for the, the period of Hezekiah. Well, it's interesting because they say here, the IAA says that they have like over 2,000 similar seals discovered at excavations that's really changed the way that they think about administration and tax collection in the kingdom of Judah. Um, IAA excavation co-directors. <laughs> what you're saying is that there, there's two things that, that are constants in this world, like death we yeah, know death about. Yeah, death and taxes. But taxes, there they are. Right. So so one Judean of the things that's taxes, interesting is we're very close, thank God, um, to a lot of the people who are uh, influential in the city of David, Ir David. Yes. Um, the place where it's believed that King David had his second capital. Basically, his first capital was in Hebron, but really his main uh, capital in Jerusalem and the capital that he's known for. Um, but it turns out that the Ir David zone wasn't the only area where stuff, government stuff was happening. And that's what they're basically discovering. They said at the site we excavated, there are signs that governmental activity managed and distributed food supplies, not only for shortage, but administered agricultural surplus, amassing commodities and wealth. And they say that this is one of the most significant discoveries from the period of the kings in Jerusalem made in recent years. That's awesome. Uh, just to make it clear. And it's nice, actually, that they're reporting this, I think, now um, for the for, the, for, for the you know, Rosh Chodesh Av. Wow. Um, Great story, to, to give us a sense of what was going on in the final days of the kingdom of Judah and... Um, you know, a sense of what life was like in Jerusalem as we try hard to get back to, like, you know, the new, like, Alt-Neuland, you know, uh, Herzl's Alt-Neuland, like, new old land. Like, we're trying to do things the old way, but we're also trying to do it in our new way. And we're talking about 600 years before the advent of Islam altogether. The, I like to say the invention of Islam altogether. So we're talking about 2,000 years ago, um, and here we, we are living in the same places. Those seals are in Hebrew. Okay, they're the in Hebrew, seal, and they're, they're being dated to the first temple period. Okay, so this, this leads me right to the next story, Malcolm. All okay? right. I want you to hear this tweet that I wrote this week. Okay, I, I wrote, this is a response to Peter Beinart. He writes, he, he quotes Wait, what an are article. you talking about? Peter Beinart wrote this article calling for, for binationalism. Basically, in other words, two state is over. Right, and now just let's have the Arabs vote us out of existence by let's giving them. Let's have a one state. Everyone has the same kind of citizenship, and right. everyone has voting rights, and they can vote for and, and it to even, be a Jewish state, and not even, a Jewish state. Right, and even even he admits that it's bye bye Jewish state per se. And he writes he writes uh, a quote. He writes, "Critics may charge that this vision is utopian." Who writes this? Beinart. Beinart himself. Okay. Yet it is no more idealistic than the assertion that all men are created equal. And then he has uh, this, uh, this link to a Guardian article. In any case, I wrote, Israel is a defensive. This is in your article or is this in Twitter? Where Twitter, is this? In Twitter, Twitter. I write to him, Israel is a defensive ethnic national state created to protect the Jewish tribe on Jewish tribal land. The mostly Arab and Muslim region lacks any semblance of equality for us Jews among other people as well. And therefore, like the Kurds, we have an independent, autonomous country. Pretty, okay. pretty innocuous. It says, we have Druze tribal land. Yeah. We're a defensive country. We're an ethnic national state. Right. We're, not, we're not here to respect the equalities of all mankind. Not that they're, not, not that they're lesser people. Uh, of course not. not. That's not what we're talking of about. Of course not. But, but this country is not set up 
to protect other ethnic minorities or other majorities. It's here to eth- it's a set up to, it's set up to protect our people, our right. our ethnicity, just like just like many other countries in the world, like Poland or Japan, etc. Hungary, um, and of course the twenty two Arab countries around us, which are ethnic national states. This is the by the way the 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 uh, unbelievably frustrating argument of Beinart. It's like, wait a minute, you are asserting this equality for all mankind. Yet you don't make zero demands on the Arab countries around us to have any kind of semblance of equality, not just for us, the Jews, which are a persecuted minority, but also there is no civil rights, decent rights, voting rights in the Arab countries around us. So how come you're making us into a Western liberal country when the other countries are nothing like that at all and you have no demands on them? Anyway, so I wrote what I wrote. Yeah. These are some of the responses to my little tweet. Okay. How is building racial colonies in other people's lands defensive? As in, but I said to you, it's right, Jewish tribal land. Yes, you're a thief and right. you're a racist. Okay. Next, that that was from uh, Eugenia. This one from Madelaire. He says, and you have no semblance of equality for Palestinians. Kurds don't rule over other people. Uh, Kurds don't rule over other no people. No one's asking Kurds right. to get all up in their country. Right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. P.S. Where the Kurds are ruled by the Iranians, the Turks, the Syrians, they're persecuted. So they 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 got conglomerated into a little area, right, teensy little place, and Good. they're like, "We're just taking this teensy place." Okay, this guy, Geroid, sounds like hemorrhoid. I don't know. He says Jewish tribal land is not an international legal category. And holy books do not provide rights under international law, nor justify the abuse of another people in violation of their rights. The, the bottom line is like, I didn't argue in international law. In international law, I have a great argument. San Remo, uh, the, uh, the mandate for Palestine, uh, interne- the, 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 I, just, I, was on a, I was on a podcast, I listed five, five loci of Jewish rights. Land purchase, defensive war, um, beautification, uh, international recognition and uh, religious authority, if you believe in that. But in any case, he's like going back to the international law thing. Um, uh, your political ideology, c- uh, continues Hemorrhoid, he says, your political ideology has led you to, to committing to an Ill- illiberal form of Zionism. Yes, it's not meant to be liberal for others. It's meant to be liberal for us. It's meant to defend our peoples. Beinart seeks a form compatible with human rights, law, and values. Yeah, right. Like he's seeking, is that what he seeks? Or does he seek to totally exterminate the Jewish state by giving uh, people who have tried to overrun us and destroy us and many who, times? Uh, what do you mean have? Continuously They're still do. talking about it now. Right. You know that Hamas and Fatah like set a date for a, for a big like sulcha? Look, I don't like you and you don't like me. But we both hit the Jews. Yeah, so let's get together on this. That is literally what their meeting is about. That's so nice. You know, at, le- at least I can, I'm happy that I'm, we're bringing people together. Um, <laughs> your form, continues Hemorrhoid. He says, your, no. f- your form has been tainted by prejudice and should be contested. Fear is no justification for abusing others. Uh, no, it's not. That's why we are not abusing others. That's why we created an ethnic national state for on our land, on our tribal land. And we're not abusing others, okay? Um, and we're, we're the opposite. We're a light of liberty in this region. Finally, says J.M. Parker, I think it's a false name, says, you sound more like a bigot trying to justify their racism. Too late. We see you for what you are. 
Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's like. It's yeah, like, Yishai, we see you for what you are. You don't see me for what I am. I see you for what you are. No, they don't see me for what I am. because No, I, they really don't. They really don't. And they don't want to, and they never will. Right. And uh, it doesn't matter. You could you could speak until you're blue in the face. I'm going to just write it's back. It's not about logic, and it's not about argumentation. Right. Anyway, there's more of what we always talk about, which is the narrative war out there. It's so... The, the problem with the narrative war is it used to be localized in the in the bad guys. Now it's diffuse. Like every every bad guy, you know, every, every, every person every feels wannabe. himself to be an activist right, exactly. on social media, which is... Awesome, which right? is also which is like right. really cool that yeah. social media has uh, empowered people like that. Right. On the other hand, it's really horrible, and everyone's so angry, and everyone yeah. is so accusatory. That leads me to another thing, Malka. Thank you for saying that. You know, today, th- you know what? Now I remember what was the the real third thing I wanted no. to say about Rosh Chodesh Av. Rosh Chodesh Av is a time of mourning, but it is also the yurt site of Aharon HaKohen, Aaron the priest. Moses's brother. Moses' older brother, but really the high priest. And he has his own set of like values that when we think of Aaron, we think of those values. And that in 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 simple terms, it's it's Ahavat Israel. The love of the love of the Jewish people, to love the Jewish people and to love one another and to find a, a peace, to find a way for peace, to 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 cut corners for peace. Amongst amongst lovers, amongst people who should love one another, not finding peace with your enemies, which you should not. You should fight your enemies, but but the, there's many times where we're ending up end up fighting not we we're not fighting enemies, but we're fighting ourselves. And uh, I must say that that I think that for the next nine days, I think we should really try to focus on the ironic ironic. Don't be ironic, Malka. Um, be ironic, okay. Uh, just a little bit of Ahavat Israel, a little bit of space for another. Last night we lit a candle, and you know, Malka, you have a little candle holder with two hands. Well, that's not mine, actually. That's Leah's. Oh. Our daughter, she got it for a bat mitzvah, and then she lent it out to us, and we've been using it. Well, that is very nice of, of Leah, who is sitting right here. Hi, Leah. Hi. Uh, and Looking her doing summer homework, tfu, tfu, tfu. She's doing math homework. Bli Ein Hara. I know, but it it's makes me it makes me wonder where she came from exactly. Okay, <laughs> um, and, and but these hand uh, hand the the candle hand holder. Can, candle holder that's the hands of the priestly blessing, you know. Right. The, and it really made me feel very special. So so a little bit of love, and in this time, I, this, this not that I this not that loveless that is period. A bad, not that wait that wait. Is a bad just let me say this phrase. Yes, this okay. phrase. This is a loveless period. Do you mm-hmm. agree with that? What do you mean the nine days? This whole this whole Corona time and protests. No, I would not agree with that. No, good, good. I'm glad you're pushing back, Malka. I would not agree with that. What do you mean a loveless time? I'm talking about on the internet and on no, the, these. What does uh, the Corona have to do with anything? I'm talking the people about people who are angry are angry, and it doesn't matter what time period. It's just not at. a time where, where the word love is a. I don't know. Is out there that much? I don't know. I think that there's good people out there, and I think oh, that they sure. are showing love to each other. Good. And while you're talking about doing Ahavat Israel, you know, all of us could use a, a boost always about like showing people love and being nice to people. But like, I'm not sure I have a big problem with that. Like, I think that there are people who do have a big problem with that, and I think a lot of those people are the people who hate Israel. I'll be honest with you, and not to like conflate everything together, not to intersectional the politics with the jewish values necessarily or anything but like i do not feel that the people in the like 
Zionist camp have like a love problem. Generally speaking, on the micro level, I'm sure that there are people who are rude to each other and, you know, whatever. And we could all uh, always be working on our interpersonal relations. But I think that like on the whole, the people who are showing like their bile and their rage are the anti-Zionist people who are just kind of anti. It just feels like they're very, very anti. And they're, right. and if you're anti-Zionist, you are probably angry. That is that is a is. Do you agree with that formula? Yeah, there's not a lot of like loving anti-Zionists, <laughs> <laughs> like good mood anti-Zionists. No, because if you're because because really the real truth, the the deep truth is, is that if you're anti-Zionist, you're anti-Israel. You're probably anti-God. You're probably anti-religion. Although you got tons of these, like, you got tons of people who would espouse themselves to be extremely, extremely religious, Ishai, who call themselves anti-Zionist because they're very angry at different policies of Israel and they feel that Israel discriminates against uh, ultra-Orthodox people well, or that well, then Israel they have, then they have uh, has problem. anti-Jewish policies. Their, their problem is that they're missing the big picture. That's their problem. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes you miss the big picture. You, you, you zoom in, you see a lot of crud, and and you you do have to be very smart these days. You got to know how to watch the news. You got to know how to watch the news, and you got to know when to turn off. I the also want to say, and this is something we've said about the army before. Not that Haredim uh, per se have to serve in the army. Like that's like something we're super lacking, or something like that. I feel like the army is mostly, I don't know, handling itself w- with the with the people that it has. But I always say to myself, like you don't want the Haredim to serve in the army, like the, the Haredi leaders, the ultra orthodox, the ultra ultra orthodox. But if you guys would flip and be like, you know what, we've changed our mind, we're sending fifty thousand people to the army next year, then it would change everything. It's like you talk, you have people who are like anti-Zionist because they feel that Israel isn't living up to what it should be. And I can, I can respect that on some level, okay? I can respect that on some level. And I think that all religious people deal with certain disappointments about when Israel is not living up to its potential and doing what its mission is to do. But I would say, like, instead of going, I'm anti-Zionist, you go, I'm running for office right like i'm i'm jumping into politics i'm gonna like i'm gonna take this job and this job and this job i'm gonna apply for this position and i'm gonna like our community is just gonna take over this thing instead of shrinking away and saying like i don't love i don't like israel because of x you go i don't like israel because of x and therefore i'm gonna lean in harder i'm gonna like participate more I didn't know we were going to get into this topic, but my, my one comment on this is that I think it's really changing. I think ultra-Orthodox people are much more into living in the state of Israel, being part of it. But I'll tell you, what their, their, their big contention is in part a brand. They don't subscribe to the brand of Blue and White and Ben Gurion. That's not their brand. They have a different brand, and therefore they have different lingo and different things that are important to them. And so, in many ways, I see ultra-Orthodox today as being excellent citizens of the state of Israel uh, and very much contributing to uh, holding the fort on moral levels, bringing more Torah into the land, and certainly more children into the land. God bless them. And so... They so, bring some crucial, critical values yeah. and... and Right and like and culture, demands into right. this into this society that if we didn't have them, I don't know what we would do. That's what I'm saying. And 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 the airport has uh, when we use the airport, when we will once again use the airport <laughs> one it, day. One day, you know, it's got it's got a lot of kosher food because there's a lot of ultra orthodox travelers, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just I have come to the realization 
that people don't all want to be locked into the same brand. And sometimes a state is a very strong brand, okay? And its way is a strong brand. And so we have to know how to be flexible to to have people on our team that don't talk, look, and and do the, the they don't wave the same exact flag, right. but they're on the team. Right. Speaking of that, Malka, uh, I want to go just to one more topic, which is that last week I said that I would, oh, oh boy, oh okay. boy, sorry. Wow. Before I go to this, uh, last Wait. week, <laughs> okay, last week, last week <laughs> I said I would other. tell a story. Last week, I, I people, I asked people if they want me to tell the story about buying books uh, on Meister Money. Money. So I got a lot of people wrote to me saying All they right. want to hear that story. Before I do that, I want to say today's show is dedicated to a very dear friend of ours who passed away. Um, um, I think it's eight years ago today, uh, already now. Um, but yes, eight years ago, uh, our good friend Leah Goldman passed away, right? Uh, and was really a dear friend of ours. And uh, her husband Shmuel Goldman uh, is sponsoring today's show, right? In her memory, which is in itself a big honor, one of the greatest honors of my whole life. That is leaning in, by the way. Leah Goldman, Zichonali Vracha, mm-hmm. was the kind of person who would lean in. Oh my gosh. She and her family had a dream. They were going to move to the north of Israel. And they were going to like live a life that was like natural and with a good air and just go up to this beautiful scenic place in Israel. And they went up there and they went to one community and they went to another community and they went to another community until they could find the place that was their forever home. Yeah. And they settled in a place called Moshav Yonatan in the Golan. At the time, Moshav Yonatan was a, an agricultural community with lots of nice Israelis in it and a nice place to raise your kids and a great shul and just everything really good. But... Leah wasn't content with that. She wasn't content with her contentment. She knew that she had found something special and she wanted to share it. And so she really took it upon herself to really push out the message of the Golan and get people excited, especially in the English-speaking community, because when they moved to the Golan, it was really primarily, uh, you know, regular Israelis who had kind of uh, drifted up to the Golan Heights. And she decided that she's going to be the kind of person who like pushes it. And she took it upon herself as her mission. And she got, a, got herself a Gmail account, gogolan at gmail.com. And she would encourage people to come to the Golan. And she ended up in her town becoming, um, I don't know what the word is for it, but like the contact person for people who want to um, come up and move to Moshev Yonatan. And because of her basically and all of her passion and her husband Shmuel's passion they opened up like a new massive section of the Moshav and like many like tens I think of houses beautiful beautiful gorgeous and people you know living in the Jerusalem area is so special but what's interesting about living in the Golan area is that it's a lot um, more free in the sense that there's a lot more opportunity to like build your dream house and to spread out and to live a little bit more of that life that that maybe if you could relate it to like the American country, but not the country because it's not that rural, but just like much more out in nature and spread out and and less tense. And because of her, like dozens of people, dozens of families at least moved up to the north of Israel and moved up to the Golan. And today, um, even though Leah has passed, 
Shmuel and his family are living up in the Golan. And Shmuel got remarried to Batsheva. Shmuel got remarried to the, to the amazing Batsheva. And, um, and now they live there in their community. And like on one side of the street is like all these Israelis. Basically on the other side of the street is like all these English speakers. You mean new Israelis? I mean, yes. Okay. We are all Israelis. That's right. No matter what language you're speaking, no matter what color you are, uh, no matter where your port of origin... Uh, we're we're definitely all just as Israeli as the other, but I think you know what I mean. I'm talking about. I, I think you mean port of embarkation, because our port of origin is yes, here also. Yes, that's right. Fair. Okay, our, our port fair of enough. embarkation to come home. Right. Um, so, uh, so not that that Leah saw something lacking per se in Israeli society, but she saw an opportunity. Yes. And she saw an opportunity that she could share with others, and she could have just kept it to herself. But instead, she like she she grabbed it, and she was like, everyone has to be able to get a part of this and they were in touch with Nefesh but Nefesh and and you know trying to trying to help people come to the north and they raised a ton of awareness and and uh, in their merit a lot of people built beautiful homes and are living beautiful lives up in the Golan that's right and that means that Israel's got a better grip on the Golan Heights that means that land is is welcoming us uh, we very much miss you Leah and your neshama is important to us and you're with us and it's an honor to to uh, dedicate today's show to Leah Goldman uh, and also, I knew her as Lisa Height in high school, uh, but she became Leah Goldman. Um, she was in my grade in high school, and um, back in the old country, in our port of embarkation. And so, yeah, very powerful thing. I also had the, the, the dubious, but on the other hand, great honor of speaking at her uh, a funeral. Right. Dubious in the sense that you don't want to speak at a friend's funeral. No. But, but if you got to do it, then, then you get a chance to do it, and... Um, and we miss her very much, and it's an right. honor to dedicate the show. Her should have an Aliyah. Well, and, and hopefully her beautiful spirit is uh, still getting stuff done yes. on the next level. And may, and, may sh- and may she see nachas from her children Amen. Uh, growing up well in this land. Amen. Um, so now to the story. People ask me about uh, to tell a story about, uh, about buying books on your tithe and your miser money. Right. So I said to Start you- Start with the mitzvah of maser. What right, is it? You're supposed to give a tenth of your profits, earnings, of your of profits. Your profits. Good of your profits to charity. Uh, this is in line with the idea that you're supposed to tithe to the priests and the Levites. So uh, you last week we were talking about buying books and you threw out, um, I don't remember which books, oh, we were talking about Art Scroll, we were right. talking about- If people really, if, if you're it's lacking a hard time in funds, right now and you can't buy right. a book, so- So I recommend that I told people, don't do this, don't buy, it is legal, but don't buy a book on your Meister money. The story is, is that one time, there was this cool book about about Hilchot Shabbat, the laws of the Sabbath, and with pictures, with pictures, and it was neat. Do we even know where that book is? I today? absolutely know exactly where it is on the shelves. It's right over there now. And right here's there. the story: we bought this book, and we bought it on Meister Money. That was the one book I bought on because we had just learned this law. We just I saw, you can buy the book, oh, so we're like, okay, wait, I forgot to add. And when you buy a book on 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 tithe. If anybody wants to borrow it, you can't kind of say no because it, like, it becomes like a library thing. It's like a charity. It's like you have this book on charity. You now have a book gemach. Right? It's, you, you didn't exactly own it. It's like a charity that you have this book so if anybody needs it. Anyway, we bought this book. Three days later, somebody comes for Shabbos and the person says, Ooh, nice Ooh, book. Ooh, nice book out of all of our books. He goes, can I borrow that? It was like, uh, like yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. That's the law. This book promptly got lost. 
Like we didn't see the guy also. It's not a person we see very right. often. And we didn't see him and like months go by and then years go by. And then I'm like, and I said to the dude, I'm like, dude, where's that book? He's like, it's gone. So I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I'm like, that'll, that'll learn you. That'll learn you. Don't buy books on Meister. Anyway, we had a friend also passed away. A rabbi, rabbi uh, Yaakov uh, Shmarya. Shmarya, that's right. Uh, and he had a bookstore in Beitel of of rare books. We went. In, I went to that bookstore one time. I'm looking. I'm looking. I see the. I see that that book. I'm like, that's great. I look. I open up the book. It's got my name in it. Okay, in the like, bookstore. What? I said, there you are. I said, I said, we found you. We found you. I said, where, where? How did this get him? And he and that guy happened to have been at his house. Right. And we so were that, mutual acquaintances. We, like Corona, we traced the darn thing. In any case, <laughs> so um, so that's I, I got the book back gratis. I didn't have to pay for it because it was mine. Because it was yeah, or it was my sir. It was more, not. Yeah, yeah I should have. I should have probably paid for it, or maybe I did pay for it, thinking like, okay, now I can own it outright. In any case, he may have gifted it to you. He may have. He may have. But the bottom line is that is that uh, that you got to be very careful when you buy books on um, uh, on on Maser. Th- th- they're liable to do the thing that they're supposed to be doing. So if you want a <laughs> book, th- if you want it in your shelves, then buy buy it outright. Uh, in any case, folks, uh, Mark, I want to really thank you. Uh, for being with me, and I wanna, I wanna adjure everybody. Yes. Adjure, 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 adjure. Well, I don't know what I you're wanna about to get say. everybody to, to do something. Adjure. Oh. Adjure. I think it's adjure. I think you should use an, a totally different word. I'd like to to get people to do something. Yeah, I'd like everybody to 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 hop on and get yourself some Israeli wine by going to israelwines.com. Although you're not supposed to drink wine during the nine days, just no, a little but heads up. Yes, that's true. True, true, true. Uh, but maybe if you order it now, you know. Yeah, by the time you get by it. By the time we get to you. You could look at it for a while. Although you could have know. it on Shabbat. Yes. You could uh, have it on Shabbat, wine and meat. That's right. On Enjoy Shabbat. yourself. During these nine days. Uh, so, so, but the other thing I asked everybody is to please write to me to, to tell me how their orders worked out for mm. them. And I haven't received an email like All that right, yet. All right, that's okay. So get to it, folks. Order and write me an email. Uh, check out, of course, Hebron. Uh, that's uh, that's that's home base. That's mamas and papas. That's uh, where the where the forefathers and mothers are buried. Hebronfund.org makes all the difference in the world right now during this Corona period. We could so so use your help, and you could use the help of giving a little bit of tzedakah. Uh, so so check out Hebronfund.org and sign up for our virtual tours and our uh, uh, our continuing effort to beautify the Marat Machpelah and our support of the Jewish families there, including securing them. A lot, a lot of work there. So that's hebronfund.org. Still a prayer quorum happening there at the Tomb of the Patriarchs. You, you bet, you bet. So it's, it's not like totally shut down. That's right. And of course, Tchelet, T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T. Oh, and both for Tchelet and for uh, Israel Wines, just type in coupon code Yishai. Ooh, coupon. Okay? And you'll you know get, you want You'll get the big bucks off, yes. right? I just want to remind all you people regarding the trelet, regarding the uh, tzitzit, that the month of Elul is coming right up, which is the month of Teshuvah, the month in which we uh, prepare our souls for Rosh Hashanah, the brand new year, and all kinds of judgments are made regarding our future in the upcoming year. Um, and so it's good to have your religious gear all set for you. That's right. 
Absolutely. A little time is it's coming. It's a good time to, you know, it's a good time to buy that book and it's a good time to buy that CC and it's a good time to do something for yourself that's going to help you like renew that spiritual energy. Yes. So you can charge ahead. Yes. And and also, uh, lastly, I want to recommend that this Elul, we learn together Aim Habanim Smecha. Oh, okay. Intense. The Aim Habanim Smecha, written by Rabbi Teichtal. Rabbi Moshe Lichtman has an abridged version of it, which is very useful. Uh, Rabbi Moshe Lichman, I think he was on somebody else's show on the network, the, the Land of Israel network, thelandofisrael.com, which is our sponsor network. Um, I want you to check out the rest of the shows on the network, but like, get yourself the book now, Ema Banim Smecha, so that we could learn it together over the month of Elul and get ready for a new year. Folks, those of you who are locked out of the Land of Israel, that's just, that's just an illusion. Okay, There is a ways to connect with the Land of Israel today more than ever before. Through the shows, through the trailer, through the wine, through the love, through the prayer, through the pictures, through the videos. There's a million ways to be more and more connected. Let's use this time that has, uh, on the one hand, caused us to be uh, more distant from one another. Let's use the tools that have been given to us to come closer to one another. Malka? I also want to offer up this week's hashtag. Yes. If I may. We haven't discussed it, so I'm just blurting it out. Go ahead. I say this. I would like to see some emails this week about what would, if you could be here in Israel, or if you're in Israel and everything was open, what would be your dream Israel vacation? Hashtag Israel vacation. Nice. I want to hear about the good stuff that you would do. Keep it short. And if it's good, we'll read it out on the air next week. Right. And, about, I, and that way people can like, you know, during the show, we can close their eyes. They can do what we do in our house called imagination vacation. That's right. We do this with the kids. I want to tell you guys about imagination vacation for a second, which is you take your kids on an imaginary vacation where they have to close their eyes. Here is the part my kids like the best every single time. We've been to all kinds of places. We've been to the mountains. We've been to the beach. We've been to outer space. We've been to all kinds of stuff in imagination vacation. But here's the part they like the best. You go to them like this. You go, okay, kids, now we're going to the grocery store and I hand all of you a hundred shekels. Or it could be dollars in your case. I hand you 100 shekels and you're allowed to buy whatever you want for snacks. And I don't, we'll just buy it. And their faces, their, their eyes have to be closed because it's like a pre-bedtime uh, activity. And their faces, they're like smiling from ear to ear as they're like running through the grocery store, picking out whatever they want. So I'm giving you a chance to go through the grocery store and tell us what would be your dream vacation in Israel if you could be here right now. All right, fabulous. Malka Fleischer, thank you so much for joining me on the Yishai Fleischer Show here on the Land of Israel Network. Check out thelandofisrael.com. Check out my website, yishaifleischer.com. Uh, and of course, hit the donate button. Give a little bit. Let's build Israel together. Let's keep broadcasting Israel together. And lastly is that Rabbi Mike Foyer is next. It's next <laughs> on, the land of, on, on the show. And so stay tuned for that. Lots of love. Lots of blessings from the land of blessings. More great stuff is on the way. So stay tuned, stay strong, and stay connected. And shalom. Choose wisely what we plant in our minds. Choose life and let's make this week a work of art. It's why we're here. Last week on the Land of Israel Fellowship, we discussed the Judean Inner Ways, the biblical GPS system for your soul. In the name of this fellowship, and in the name of all of Israel, as a testimony to the power you have invested in this global community, trying to fulfill your vision of a house of prayer for all nations, for all believers. 
Join Jeremy Gimpel and Arya Bromowitz for this exclusive study group live every Sunday on Zoom. To join the Land of Israel Fellowship, click on thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting here on Facebook, on YouTube, and on the Land of Israel Network. Shalom and welcome, everybody. We have a great show lined up for you, and we have with us our beloved Rabbi Mike Foyer. Rabbi Mike, welcome to the program. Oh, Shalom Yishai, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. Lirot Ulehiraot here live, and I want to welcome all the folks that are going to be joining us on the live stream. You can definitely leave your comments, and I will get to your comments throughout uh, the show. So everybody, welcome. And if you're outside of the land of Israel and you wish you were here, then this is the small way in which we're going to kind of connect you and bring you into the land. Uh, and today is also a very special day here in the land of Israel. It is Rosh Chodesh Av. So happy Rosh Chodesh. As I always say, Rosh Chodesh also means Rosh Chadash. Okay. It's a, it's a time for a new head. It's time for a, to get to get a new perspective, a new way of thinking. Uh, and it's also the yurt site of uh, 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 and uh, I, I actually had the great merit to visit the tomb of Aaron with my mom many years ago. We were in Jordan and we, we, we were with uh, a Bedouin and with donkeys. You can't, you can't get up there with camels to that spot. Uh, you got to, you got to donkey it up. It needs a little bit more nimble of a, uh, well, camels have plenty of oomph, but they, they're yeah. not, they're not as nimble in these like tight uh, passages. Uh, and we went up there. It is an incredible site. It is an incredible site of the tomb of Aaron. It overlooks the whole uh, Arava uh, in southern Israel. And it's it's purported to be, it's got a good tradition. It's called Jabal Aharun. That's what they call it, the mount, mountain of Aaron. Uh, in, in, uh, in Today found in the kingdom of Jordan, or what we like to call here euphemistically, Evel the East Bank, correct? The East Bank. There you go. So uh, that was that was really good times, um, and and he's he's a very special character that I don't think that we always kind of uh, take time to think about this character of of Aaron, who classic overshadowed brother, right? Overshadowed brother, and even misrepresented by Spielberg in um, in um, what's that movie called? Prince of Egypt. A little misrepresented. I don't as, how, did, how did he get represented? He was a bit rougher than he was. He was actually a little bit the opposite of who he is, which is this incredible lover and and and, and uh, of the Jewish people. And also, when 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 Moses, when we actually meet Aaron for the first time, and he hears that Moses has received this prophecy, he comes at him with joy, and with he's happy. For his younger brother, he's got no jealousy. Libo, yeah, no, it's an it's an archetype of what it means to be happy, actually. That right, an amazing person, Aaron, and one who whose like greatest mistake. I like to think about this: whose greatest mistake was the golden calf. But if you think about the golden calf, like what kind of mistake was it? It was a mistake where like he over went towards the will of the people to to right. calm them, to placate them, to find to. You know, every every mida has its kill cool, right? Every quality has its sort of um, corrupt expression. And Aaron gave the people what they wanted. He understood their need, and and gave them what they wanted, and what they needed. And it and it, uh, if you read closely in the text, went quite a bit further than he intended it to. Right. 
That's right. I, I like to think about that moment is that the truth is, is that Moses is this very, we have a Hebrew word for it, which is dugri, dugri, which is very uh, straight talking, <laughs> yeah, cut, and dry. cut and dry. Right. As in he says to the, to, to the, the two Jews are, are uh, striking one another. So he says to the, to the guy who's the evil one, he says to him, Hey, bad guy, why, why would you hit your brother? It's very, very forward, very truthful, and he represents capital T truth. It's Moses. Yeah. Moses is always order, locked and loaded. Just remember that. Right. He's, he's locked not, and loaded. He's not, mess, he's not messing around. He's not messing around, and he's not, he's not giving you what you want to hear. And, and he's the opposite of what Aaron is, which is a diplomat. Yes. Which is a diplomat, somebody who can – Say it in a gentle way. Bring you on board. Bring two sides together. Bring two sides together. He's the negotiator. He's the diplomat. Uh, and that doesn't mean that it's fake. It's no, not no. fake. God forbid. But, but it is maybe polished and maybe 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 coated with honey just a tad in well, order to – You know, and as you said, if Moshe is the capital T truth, that was also his failing because it was very difficult for Moshe to even to relate – Right. To the reality of the people, something that I would love to speak toward when we get into the Parsha and in, in the sort of revisiting of the story of spies that we see in this week's Parsha, which is so fascinating and I think indicative of the kill cool, that sort of like corruption of Moshe's absolutism in his inability to understand other people's fear. So right. Aaron, on the flip side, is the small T truth. He gets it. He says, you know, people don't argue for nothing. There's aspects of truth in what each one is saying. Now, they're small T truths, so they're not able to recognize that if you put the two together, you might actually get further. So that was his art form, to really bring people together around the fact that their partial truths would often make a greater whole. Right. So, so the way I conceive of as the sin of the golden calf is actually when Moses goes up to heaven to the, to, to the top of Mount Sinai. So he's with God. And that's a place that he's comfortable with. Yep. So capital T truth is with capital T truth. And he's up there. And Aaron, who who is the diplomat and who likes to massage a little bit to, 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 to as you just explained, to, to find everybody's truths, he's left with the people. When those, those two forces are separated, that's yeah, when there's going to be a problem. And and what happens is, is that they say, the people say, we see that Moses doesn't want to come down to us. He doesn't want to come down to the rabble. And then, and then, I mean, and then. In all honesty, if you were up there with God, how quick would you be to go home? Right. Especially if you're a very holy man like, like Moses. And that's the way they perceive him. They perceive him as otherworldly than to them. But Aaron, at that point, without that capital T pillar and more with the people, so he's going to go towards them, and in that case, uh, in a faulty manner, uh, in a manner that, that, that God is displeased with. But I think that the displeasure is not at Aaron per se. It's at the separation of these two, uh, of, of the tension of these two, the dialogue between these two energies, which is capital T truth and diplomatic truth. And when they're together, when there's two forces like Voltron, when these two forces are together, you know, <laughs> You know, these, you really just go there. <laughs> you know, these two lions come together. They, they come together. Right. But I mean, when they're separated, they're weak. So what Weaker. I hear you saying is that, that, that Aaron loses his anchor when Moshe's not around and Moshe loses his bridge right. when Aaron's not around. 
Very good. Right? Very good. So, so, and and I think that both of those play themselves out in in the very painful failures that each one has. The first time that I even ever heard that there's a Torah of Aaron was at uh, the Levine family in Teaneck. Uh, Ezra Halevi, but his parents, his father, Buzzy Levine, Leah Levine, these are, they're like 60s hippies who are still very much no. there. Yes, yes. No. And, 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 you know, Buzzy Levine has a guitar store in Teaneck and he, he's like really still lives there. And they were like, dude, don't you know about the Torah of Aaron? The whole and, nother level, brother. Right. And I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I was like, what, what are you talking about? There's Moses. That's who the Torah of Moses. Seriously. Some people say it's also etzadat and etzachayim. That's another way to understand it. Etzadat is like knowledge and truth, and etzachayim is how to live it with the people. And, and, and these two forces, go ahead. Yeah, and etzadat is also about distinction and drawing of lines, and etzachayim is an organic whole. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Very, so, just like you said. Yeah. So there you go. So today is is uh, is uh, the the yurt site of Aaron, and I just want to say something about this yurt site. It's one of the yurt sites that we actually have in the biblical text. Yeah. Okay. It says when he passed away. We know the yeah. date that he passed away. And that's. I think that's. I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I think it says something to us. It says like mark this day, mark this yeah, day. We think about work out Moshe's date because we get at the beginning of the book of Devarim when he began, but we don't actually get the day at the end. But with Aaron, it's explicit. Right. It's explicit. That's right. We know. We know uh, the the passing date of Moshe Rabbeinu, but that is our tradition. Uh, and um, a powerful one, but there's something very powerful when the Torah says to you, this day, this is what happens. So yep. um, that's that. I also want to say, uh, before we go on, speaking of passing away, today's show uh, is dedicated to Leah Goldman, okay? Yes. A mutual friends of both of ours, uh, Shmuel Goldman, uh, dedicates today's show to, to Leah Goldman. I already talked about it in the first half with Malka, but I want to um, uh, say it again now. Our good friend Leah Goldman, who I actually knew from high school, by the name of uh, Lisa Height, uh, she was in my grade, and uh, and I, I met her uh, under the same name. Really, long yeah, time sure. ago. A long time well, ago, at, I was at, 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 at Ben Gurion. Yeah, where she was a, the youngest. You know, she was almost it was pretty much high school age, but she was there when we were all in college. That was kind of the way that uh, Leah was. She was always that's right. herself. She was <laughs> she was always friendly with the with the older kids. It was always like she was that. also just the type to charge out front. Uh, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, this is not a woman that stayed behind and let other people do the work. Yeah. One of the things that always bothers me about her, her death is that, and I said this at her funeral, it was not like her. Uh, she was so vivacious, so full of life. And uh, to this day, I'm always like, that doesn't add up to me, little old me, uh, how to understand that. No, but I, I guess what her soul is doing now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 we talked about it with Malka, but she was very instrumental in bringing more and more people to the Golan Heights. Uh, she is survived by her by her father, by her brother and sister, uh, and by her husband, and by five children. Uh, and so we really want to bless them. Shmuel got remarried to the wonderful Batsheva, and uh, we really want to bless their families that have also melded together two big families to continue to be successful. I'm sure that you're being blessed by mm -hmm. Leah. Amazing. And uh, we miss Leah Goldman very much, and we uh, we we wish her neshama and aliyah. Uh, I also want to say that related to that, somehow, in any case, it's related in radio logic, is that uh, yesterday 
uh, the judgment came down for the murderer of Ari Fold. Ari Fold, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and it was a, it's a life imprisonment uh, for the 16, he was at the time 16 and a half year old terrorist who struck down Ari Fold, who I knew very well as well, and really was murdered uh, just, just a few kilometers down the road here. Uh, so, um, you know, good people uh, are struck down, some by disease and others by, by terror. Uh, but at the same time, uh, my good friend Bobby Pittenger uh, and his family were just blessed this week uh, with a brand new baby boy. I, I don't know that. the I don't know the name yet. Was the name announced? I I, I didn't catch I that yet. Yeah. Uh, but we want to wish you a big the Pittenger family a big fat Mazaltov. I mean, uh, and lots of blessings. And this is a family. This is a family that loves Torah and loves Eretz Israel, uh, and are are strongly strongly connected. So we wish uh, the the new boy to have a Hatzlacha. Uh, to go into Torah, Chupan, Masim Tovim, uh, all the oh, good things. Hey. All right, good. Um, what else? Today is also Rosh Chodesh, as we said, Rosh Chodesh, and we're starting a new book. Now, you and I, because of my fault, I think we I missed broadcasting with you last week, so I apologize to everybody. No biggie, no I big deal. You. That's right. Uh, what we didn't talk about from last week is the Torah portion that ends the book of Bamidbar, the book of Numbers, and the two Torah portions, and it really talked about dividing up the land of Israel, who the heads of the tribes will lead the Jewish people into the, to the land of Israel, the dangers of leaving your enemies on the land of Israel, uh, and uh, the the allotment, really, um, the, the 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 apportionment and the borders of the land of Israel. If I didn't say that, uh, so it was really it was really the should I say it again? The denouement of the uh, of the. You love that word. Uh, I do like it. Uh, at the climax of, of that of the book of Numbers, well, which is wait, really... Denouement and climax are not the same thing. Isn't Denouement it, like the... Denouement the, is, the, is, the, is the after effect of the playing out. Oh, uh, it's the climax. Oh, darn it. There's so much to learn. There's so much to learn out there. There's so much knowledge. Um, wow, there's so many other things I want to talk to you about. I also want to tell you that I went to the Kinneret recently, and I... Got a chance to. You and I both have had little mini vacations in the last few days. Am I right? Yes. Thank God. I got away for Shabbat to the beach in Netanya. Super beautiful. Very sweet town. I love time. Netanya. I love Netanya. Netanya is one of the best. And I went up to the Kinneret and hung out on the shores of the Kinneret. And I, I think what the reason I'm tying this in is because the, that that those Matot Masai was really about the the land of Israel Torah portions. Uh, and we're we speak about the the land of Israel a lot, but a lot of our brothers and sisters, uh, both the Jewish tribe and family, and both lovers of the land of Israel, are locked out, out of the country, and are really locked out for the foreseeable future. It's been a long time, and yeah, I know my mom has finally canceled her ticket. She had a ticket for Pesach and couldn't come. And she rolled it over to Rosh Hashanah thinking at the time we were like, of course he'll be able to come for Rosh Hashanah. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen now. It's like really heartbreaking. So Rabbi Mike, a good friend of mine, Mayor, Mayor Eisenman, who is one of the finest tour guides in the land. Sure, he's famous. He's famous, thank God. Maybe I've helped him a little bit. Um, he, yeah. um, he, he, called, he left me a WhatsApp message saying, we have to help break this siege in which uh, our American Jewish brother—it's not a siege, but uh, the blockade. The blockade—that was the word. Blockade, yeah. the, the, the block, the naval blockade, the air and naval blockade, which is stopping the our brothers and sisters from being able to come home. 
And then I was I was in a bit what of was a suggestion for how to do that. Right. He didn't say that. Uh, uh, I was in a feisty mood and I no. wrote, sent him back a message and I said to him, <laughs> yes, yes, you can believe it. Uh, I said to him, uh, I said to him, you know, maybe American Jews are locked out as a little lesson for them. I said, I said, you know, sometimes we take the land for granted. And we think that it's always there for us. And we think that it's a playground where we do our fun stuff. Uh, there we eat the good food in the summer. And we, we go to the hotel and the beach and, and Hebron and, and Masada. Uh, but maybe we think of it as like not the real life. And then we go back home to the real life. And I said, right, maybe it's a little lesson for them. Disneyland. Right, religious Disneyland. And then he said back to me, and then another friend of mine named David, David Chazoni said to me, um, he said to me, but our brothers and sisters are in a lot of pain right now. And we should recognize where they're at right now, both in how that country is doing, the divisiveness of that country, Corona, that struck hard there, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I felt sheepish a little bit because I thought to myself, he's, he's right. There's something like I should, just like I want them to have a little lesson about, about the land of Israel, we should have a lesson. I should have a lesson about caring more about for the people, our- About the yeah. people of Israel. Yeah. And, and I'll add to that, that we want to be careful opening that lens of judgment, because the reality is, is that we're in more danger than they, if we're going to say that, that the consequences of not loving and respecting the land of Israel are felt immediately. I mean, we're the ones that risk getting spit out of the land, mm -hmm. right? I mean, our, our respect for the land, our respect for the Torah, our respect for one another, um, our obligation to create a just government and to be sovereign these things are are not necessarily being fulfilled. I mean, I wouldn't dismiss the accomplishments we made. God forbid. I'm not. That's not my point. My point is, is that um, there's a wake up somewhere here. It's right. a wake up call. And if it's a wake up call to our brothers and sisters outside of Israel, come home. Then to us, it's a wake up. Like be on Israel. <laughs> like don't just be a bunch of Jews in the land, or God forbid, uh, a Hebrew speaking, you know, uh, nation. Uh, like others, but but um, but you know, beyond Israel. Yeah, I was talking about this with my class last night. That the the Rambam says that that um, the conquest of this is Gemara, that the conquest of Yehoshua, the sanctity of the land was uprooted by the conquest of the Babylonians. Because if might makes right, that works both ways. But the conquest of Ezra, which was done through acquisition, right? The Persian Empire granted this land to us, held out. But there's complications. And so we were speaking about is there a third way because you know we've wait tried. wait 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 but but the, the, the you didn't you didn't say the end there which is the conquest of Ezra through purchase did stick I said, I said it held out it held, held out, out. It yeah stick. yeah but right. but it's still complicated if you look because they didn't take all the land and there's this this status right. and that status so so we've done the, the Joshua style conquest not to the degree that Joshua did but we've done our fair bit. We've done the Ezra style conquest, whether it's in direct purchase or you know sort of international recognition. What's really going to make it permanent, in my eyes, is when we understand that really the only thing that gives us a hold on this land is the fulfillment of our obligations. We have a mission. This land is a platform for our mission in the world, and 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 not conquest nor acquisition is enough to really bind us to this land. Only the fulfillment of our mission. Um. My rationale, a lot has been written, a lot has been thought about and written about the difference between the conquest of Joshua and the conquest of Ezra. For sure. And the real question is, wait a minute, wasn't Joshua coming 
with godly miracles and with awesome power. And Ezra came with kind of a poor group of, of misfits in Babylonia. So how is it that his... Misfits and ideologues. There was the core ideologues. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, which one I am, which one you are. <laughs> you know, sometimes ideologues are misfits. Uh, yeah, well, usually they are. Right. Ideologue uh, is not a nice term in most people's mouths. Right. Uh, my explanation for that is actually um, um, maybe a little novel, which is that Joshua and company, they came, there was nothing else they could choose. They couldn't go back to the desert and they couldn't go back to Egypt. They came there by force. And those that tried to reject it already got smashed. Yep. The Ezra people, they came by total choice. In fact, their brothers and sisters were like, what are you doing? And they're like, but we yearn for the land of Israel. And their brothers and sisters were like, but Babylon's working for us. It's so good. It's so good. Right. So when a Jew, the sushi. Right. When a Jew chooses the land of Israel by choice, uh, it's a completely different level than when you are forced to accept it. Uh, when you come here by choice or when you run away from anti-Semitism, those are two different things. Oh, we'll take you if you run from anti-Semitism. Oh, oh, you bet we will. But there's a difference between that and saying, I want this land. I'm coming home because I want to be close to God in this land. Um, the other thing I want to tell you is that is that actually at the end of my beach day, we went to see the Rambam. The, Rambam, the Rambam is buried in Tveria. It's so fabulous to visit the Rambam, but you know, he's not there alone. There are many oh, no. sages. Heavy hitters. The heavy small hitters. Kodesh is there. The, there's, there it's Rabbi, uh, no, it's not Rabbi Yochan. It's um, Yochanan Ben Zakai. Yeah, Rabbi Yochan Ben Zakai. That's what I thought it was. Remember, we went last year. It was last that's year. Right. Was that? That's right. That, I, was, I was thinking about that. The I was thinking trip. if it wasn't Corona, wow. we'd go on another road trip. That was a lot of fun. That was fun. That was very special. That's right. That's right. And uh, I went I went to the tomb of the Rambam, and I saw the Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who is the one who chose Yavne uh, over Jerusalem when the emperor, uh, what is it, Titus? Is it Titus? Vespasian. He spoke to Vespasian. Vespasian, right. This is his that, son that he left behind to conquer Jerusalem when he returned to Rome to take up the uh, the mantle of the purple. Right. Now, now uh, a, a American... Progressive intellectual by the name of Peter Beinart has written an, an article titled Yavne, in which basically he argues just like this sage was able to choose a lesser Zionism because Rome had conquered it, so too Israel today can choose a lesser form of Zionism of an ethnic national state, instead make it a state of all its citizens, a binational state, which I've uh, termed now Beinartistan. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah. You got you got to copyright that. <laughs> I have. I have. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote it in my in my article, and I call it binardistan. Uh, binardistan, and and I think by the way, I can understand why he's so into binationalism because it just sounds like his name. So it's binational binardistan, um, um, and he uses Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai as a kind of model. Which, by the way, I got to give kudos, intellectual kudos, for at least formulating it in this interesting Jewish way. I, I mean. You, yes, and I, my reading of the article is, is that he didn't understand the Gemara at all. Right. He said the Gemara Go ahead. At all. Well, don't forget that that, that um, the Gemara itself raises the issue, like you know, like you know, Meisir uh, Chachman. I forget exactly how the puzzle comes. It's like, well, he was a fool. Rabbi Yochanan should have asked Rome to go away. And 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 it's Rabbi Kiva's voice that says it. 
that he, he that he lost his wisdom. But the the reply is that that um, Rabbi Yochanan understood there are situations in history in which the only thing you're going to get if you're going to try to grab too much, you're going to end up with nothing. So you had to like you know Matzil Porta. You had to save right. a little bit because Rome was this ascendant power. But Rabbi Kiva is the one who understood that the, the flip side of that argument is that sometimes actually survival means going for broke, even if you fail. Because it's not just a matter of holding on to some little bit that you can like, you know, survive with. It's a matter of what's your purpose. And 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 despite the fact that people paint Rabbi Kiva's rebellion and Karpakoch rebellion as this tremendous failure and cause of suffering, I disagree vehemently. That that, that the Barkoch revolt was the was the fire that fused the teachings of Yavna into a unit which actually could not only survive but thrive and serve as the seeds for the world in which we live today. So, so yeah, for him, for him to, I, I, I found it infuriating. I mean, yes, true, he's he's a cut above the rest in the fact that at least he knows the Gemara, you know. But uh, I was tempted to do the whole even the devil can quote scripture thing on it. But <laughs> well, that's barring truth. I don't. I, I liked everything you just said. The only thing I would I would just a tad, just kind of change a little bit is to say, I don't think Jewish history records Rabbi Akiva as being a loser. Nobody ever said, Rabbi Akiva, you're the one who led to this thing. The opposite, like everybody understood that Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva is considered one of the greatest of all sages. Yeah, but the Bar Kokhba rebellion was judged by the sages and certainly for most of Jewish history up until the Zionist movement to be an unmitigated disaster. And the big question of it was how could Rabbi Akiva have been so behind we, it all? We still find those inspiring coins that say for the freedom of Jerusalem. And according to some, according to some, there's some disagreement on this I found, but according to some, Bar Kokhba actually did take back Jerusalem and hold it for three years and uh, yeah. and restarted the, the temple sacrifices. You know, you know what I find one of the most moving things? Have you ever seen the Bar Kokhba letters mm -hmm. that they, they were discovered in the caves not far from my house where he sends messages in the middle of a war with the largest concentration of legions that this region had ever seen, right? And he's sending men and messengers saying, the army's very large. We need a lot of etrogim. And, and and Lulavs and Hadassah because Sukkot is here. That's right. It's just an incredible thing. An incredible That's right. So thing. so any any Chabadnikim. By the way, you left me a message today. We we were back and forth on on SMS, uh -huh. and then and then the message you sent me was the seven hundred and seventieth. Was seven seventy in my messages? I said this is a, this is a good sign. This is a you good sign. You're the closet Chabadnik, right? That's right. So, so I mean, there you go. Uh, get your Lulav and Atrogium ready for, for the uh, armies of Israel. Anyway, it was wonderful to be at the tomb of the Rambam, and it also capped. That's what I love so much about vacationing in the land of Israel. Like, you vacation, you swam in the beach, but then it's not like swimming in Florida where you're like, okay, I swam. That was good for my body. Like, oh, right. you, t you went to this holy place, and, you know, my wife just loves that kind of stuff. And it's like we, like, we, like, we, like, finished it off with this beautiful, like, spiritual you know, we were there on a spiritual journey as well, and, and that's wonderful. Uh, speaking of spiritual journeys, uh, we're starting a recap, and we're starting the book of Deuteronomy. And by the way, I'm supposed to, Eric, Eric the monk has corrected me yet again, and I'm supposed to say Pentateuch, Pentateuch, with a K at the end, not Pentateuch. I'm so dumb. Anyway. Uh, he didn't so, say the I'm so dumb part. That you no, meant. he didn't say that. Uh, so we are starting you know, the, by the way, fifth. Merit, I've, I've begun um, Googling how do you pronounce. <laughs> Anytime I have a question, yes. I'm going to yes. save myself the embarrassment of getting that email. That, that's right. That's right. And, and uh, you know, and I love Latin terms and French terms. I love French political terms. I love those. 
so if, I, and, and what's that? I said I like French fries. I like. Please, if you actually, if you have any uh, political French terms or Latin terms that you like, please send them over. I used to love them in law school, though. They had they had these great, you know, writ of certiori and stuff like that. They had great stuff in law school uh, of, of Latin terms. But in any case, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, which is the second telling uh, of the Torah, it's 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 a different kind of book. It's written in a different voice. It's written in the voice of Moses. Yeah. Uh, and we started now. It's a 30-day speech uh, that starts at the Jordan Jericho. The next time you think the rabbi servant is too long, just remember that. That's 30 right. days. <laughs> uh, uh, I just want to say a Hebrew joke to you now. Uh, the the Gabbai the says to the rabbi, is giving a long speech. So the Gabbai comes up to him and says, Zman Rabbeinu Tam. Zman Rabbeinu Tam. Okay, there you go. The, yeah, I got for, it. For, for, I got for those who get it, there you go. I'm even No problem. Um, in any case, we have a, a very special Torah portion, which is. Um, this um, this re- the begin the beginning of a book which retells the story. Now I actually have a big problem with this book. My problem is is that during the whole summer I find that I have a very hard time saying divrei Torah. I have a very hard time getting up there if they ever ask me to speak somewhere. I have a very hard time speaking there th- during this time because in the rest of the times I can find word connections and, and things and ideas. Here it's like just listen to the man. Just if you'd like, I'll read to you from the book, but there's nothing to add to it. I, let me just read to you from what he says because the rabbi is speaking. Yeah. The rabbi is speaking. What do you want from me? You know what I mean? Uh, and that's uh, that's something that, that that is always troubling for me in this Torah portion. Uh, but one of the things that you you know what before we'll get to what you hinted at for a second, but there is one verse that I like very much that I wanted to speak with you. Um. Here's the good news. Moses, in verse uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 11, Moses says, Hashem Elokei Avotechem, the God, Hashem, the God of your forefathers, Yosef Alechem Kachem Elef Pamim. He should increase upon you a thousand times. Vivarechotchem Etchem, and he should bless you, Kasher Dibarechem, as he has spoken to you. But then the next word is, Heicha. Oh my God. How can I carry alone? On the one hand, you're blessed and you're awesome and you're huge and you're 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 just a mass of awesome people, and and Hashem is blessing you. On the other hand, there's a lot of you. That's a lot of Jews. Yes, <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of contentiousness, and 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 dealing with you is not easy. That's what I think about about our beloved state of Israel. On the one hand, it's like awesome. On the other hand. That's that's a handful. A lot, a lot of Jews to deal with. I'm telling yeah. you, man. I don't envy anybody who's in charge here. That's right. That's right. And and when 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 they ever sometimes I think Netanyahu's greatest skill is just keeping the lid on the pot. That yeah. is that is the. <laughs> I mean, he might be slipping on that one right now. That's but, right. Uh, that's right. His uh, the greatest skill here in Israel is to be able to manage the very vociferous forces. That that pull at this the grav the gravities that pull at this from different directions. Well, apparently, uh, the tactics is to give everyone a mana falafel. And chips, and it just works. Hey, you know, falafel will do a lot for you. Uh, falafel will do a lot. So tell me what you think about 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 a lot. Like like you're blessed a lot, but you're also a, a big lot, and that's not easy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that you kind of said the the essential thing, which is that um, there the intensity of the connection to the divine, which is the hallmark of Am Yisrael. 
it's only a blessing if you have the kalim to receive it. It's only a blessing if you have the vessels to receive it. Uh, you know, and and the land of Israel is a primary vessel for that. The Torah is a primary vessel, but I think in particular there's an aspect of leadership, right? The the, the midrash says in many places that Moshe Rabbeinu shakal keneged kol am Israel. That Moshe had the sort of a comparable weight, so to speak. He was equal to all of am Israel. It's a strange notion, but here I think what it means is that Moshe was a real leader. He could serve. He could hold it. He could serve as a cleat to hold that, and to then take all this sort of very powerful disparate energy and weld it into a people, right? And, and uh, I think that Moshe is pointing out is that, you know, like, gosh, I've had many people say this, like, like your, your children are very big engines, right? So like one of those expressions that they use in parenting classes, like it's a child with a very big engine. You're like, well, thank you very much. Can we throttle back on that? <laughs> you know, um, you know, and, and like, oh, your kids are going to be, when they grow up, they're going to do amazing things. And so I'm like, well, really? Because right now, they're killing each other, you know? Um, and, and that's what I hear in what Moshe is saying, is that the, the capacity of Am Yisrael is, is so astounding. At the same time, it, to have that kind of capacity without the proper vessels to hold and channel it is tremendously destructive and difficult. And he's been holding it for this long, and right now he's putting it down. We have to, we have to remember that that's the context here. He knows. It's been told in no uncertain terms. Oh, invite come on, he'll have his last sort of uh, attempt to, to overturn the decree. But he knows this is it. This is his parting speech. And right. anything he can teach us now is what he's got to teach us. Right. And, and, and in some ways, there is a clue into the end of the uh, Moses leadership in this Torah portion with the retelling of the sin of the spies, which strangely, by the way, just got retold again uh, last Parsha when the two and a half tribe, the two tribes, asked to stay on the east side of the, of the River Jordan. So he says to them, hey, you know, your, your forefathers, uh, uh, when they spied out the land, they came back with a negative report. They melted our hearts, and you're going in their way. You're melting the hearts of the people. The same thing. Right, and you have a bad culture, he literally says. Tabut on a Right, you got bad culture going on. That, that word is used there. And here, again, is the retelling of the tale. But in, in a way, the retelling of the tale here is in order to say, um, it was really your idea to send the spies, and I got punished because of that. Yeah, maybe I, mean, I went. You yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Maybe I was going to say maybe I went down the Aaron path, which I instead of sticking to what I do best, which is capital T truth, I succumbed a little bit to you, and that 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 led me to the road of that, that led to a certain demise. Well, let's lay it out for people who may not be so familiar, because there's a couple okay. of details here I think that not only teach us a very important lesson about Moshe Rabbeinu and leadership in general, but they open out for us what exactly the Book of Devarim is, because you already alluded to the fact that the Book of Devarim does not fit the mold, right? It's no longer a linear narrative, like the linear narrative stops basically at the end of Bamidbar, and we now are going to retell, so it's a reflection. It's also in Moshe's voice, and there are many other ways in which it, it differs, but but... Back in Bamidbar, the beginning of Parsha Shalach, it was Shalach Hashim. And it sounds like God says to Moshe, yeah, send the people. And then, then Rashi there alludes to what happens, but here in our Parsha, Moshe retells. He's now telling this back to remember, if you were 19 years old at Sinai, you were there when the spies went, and you're alive now. Mm -hmm. Because the, the fact that that whole generation passed away doesn't mean that there's no one there that remembers. 
If you were 18, 19, you probably remember fairly well what happened. This was a major sure. life event. So he says, You all came to me and you said, We want to send people. Spy out the land. And Moshe says, I thought it was a good idea. Right? And I took them and I sent them, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Right? But the, the missing piece is what Rashi fills in from the Midrash Tanhuma. That how did it all go down? How could it be that in Bamibar it sounds like God says send them? And here when Moshe Tel is retelling his own experience, he says, You came to me and said, Let's do it. And I said, Good idea. So Rashi fills in the critical piece from the Midrash. And he says, what really happened? The people came to Moshe and said, we want to send spies. Now, up until now, every time anybody has come to Moshe with an innovative idea, what does Moshe do? What's he do? Everything. say, we should inherit. The, the, the people who are carrying the bones of Yosef say, we don't want to miss out on Pesach. What does Moshe do? He, he turns it back to God. He asks yeah, the let question. Me, let me, let, hang on, let me check with the Abishter. Like That's what I do on Moshe. Here, and the Midrash points out that for the first and perhaps only time, Moshe says, God, what should I do? And God says, I don't know, Moshe. What are you going to do? Shlach lecha, says Rashi. You think it's a good idea? You send him. And that's what Moshe says. I thought it was a good idea, so I sent you. And then at the end of it, even more mysterious, right, it says, hang on, it's in line, I think it's like 37. Uh, 37, yeah. Right. And God was also angry with me, uh, sort of because of you on your behalf. And he said, you can't go into land. What? You ask every kid who's educated in the Israeli religious school system, and probably ones who are educated in the secular, and oh, some of them will tell you, why didn't Moshe go into land? He hit the rock. That's not what Moshe says. Right. Moshe says he can go into land because he was unable to do the right thing in this moment. So what wasn't he able to do? I think that goes back to our discussion about the capital T, little t. Moshe didn't understand fear. He did not understand fear. He did not understand how it was that these people who had been following the, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, they were surrounded by the clouds of glory, drinking the Miriam's well in Mana, and they'd seen the splitting of the Red Sea inside. How could they possibly still be afraid? He even says in, in, in the description that he says to them, don't be afraid. Al-Tichat. That's, that's, right. Right? that's like his milli, his sort of like throwaway line. Don't be afraid. Because fear is part of process. Because process lacks certainty. But Moshe, like you said, Moshe's not about process. Moshe sees the product. And the Eretz Yisrael is about the process. Right? And there's no certainty for any one generation. Yeah, there's a divine promise. For sure. That's where the certainty lies. But not to you and I. And, and 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 this was Moshe's realization that he was not the one to lead us in. He belonged to the wilderness. He belonged to that generation. Yeah, um, but to and I, specifically to the wilderness because the wilderness was a place of perfection, mm-hmm. clouds of glory, Miriam's well, manna, the echoes of Sinai. But here's not the daily life of uncertainty, of fear, of messy process, of failure and success. I, I thought what you were going to say is he didn't understand the people's fear and therefore he was not a, a proper leader for them all the way to lead them in because he wasn't in, in, in mental That's touch with saying. them. That's right. what I'm saying. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. Is he, couldn't, he couldn't get it and therefore he couldn't speak to them. Meaning, what right. should he have done? He should have said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you guys want to send spies? 
right? And, and it's so we're, we're friends. It's like, guys, listen, I get it. But listen, there's a place for rational fear and there's a place for courage. And of course, who are the people who show true courage? Yoshua and Caliph. They're the ones who say, yeah, we saw it all. We saw everything that you guys were afraid of. But but God, like God said, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Notice they weren't, it's not that they weren't afraid. Because courage doesn't mean you're not afraid. I mean, it just may mean you're ignorant, right? Courage means you're afraid and you're going to do it anyway because you believe it can happen. Right. And and but 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 it but they but they did also see the very same fears in a different way. They, they saw opportunity. They saw yeah. I mean like look at look, you know, like in my mind, like a, a great businessman has got those kind of eyes. He just looks yeah. at something, he sees a dirty, empty lot, a broken lot, he sees a skyscraper. Okay. People have yeah, but, that sometimes. But, you know, but no, you know what he doesn't see? He doesn't see the certainty of it. He sees right. the risk he's willing to take. Right. That's right. That's, 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 the, that's, that's the, the courage part. That's, that's the, the courage part. But Moshe saw the certainty, and that was where the inability mm. really relate to the people's fear of risk. So Moshe Rabbeinu, it's like, like he lived in a world of certainty, like you said, which is powerful, beautiful, and we still sort of uh, are illuminated by his light. But but in the end of the day, it's not the world in which we live. This year, I also saw a medrash that I never saw before, and it just says something so simple that I never heard before. The medrash was like, will your generation be condemned and the leader is going to go into the land of Israel? Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it just says it like that. It's like, could it be that 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 you will graduate, but your whole flock won't? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't mean that I saw it my straight in the midrash. I was very surprised at how simple that was, how this, simple and powerful it was. You wanna, um, wait, I want to give you one more piece. Yeah, before go ahead. we move on. If you yeah. look in uh uh Pasuk Chet and Pasuk uh, the eighth verse, right? It says, right? It's in the past tense. Bold, I've already given you the land. So go and inherit it. Right, come and inherit. Bo, right. So you look at Rashi. It says Bo There's nobody that's gonna argue with you on it. And you wouldn't even have to fight. That if we hadn't sent the spies, we would have not even needed war. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, the, and that was that was Moshe's level. You see, if if, you, if we really weren't afraid. If we really understood that, that if God said we're going to inherit it, it's as if it's already done, then we wouldn't have been drawn into this sort of like uh, tactical error of the spies. And and the whole story going forward would have been fundamentally different. The power of faith is the power to change reality in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we all have, by the way, internal fears about what we can do and what we can reach. It's very powerful to get in touch with those things and to say them and to and to know them outright what you, what you're afraid of. And I think that there's I think that there are also forces out there today that are that use fear, uh, weaponizing narratives is really making people scared, making people doubt. There's a lot of forces like that in this world today. There's a lot of forces that want to make you afraid of what you know is true, afraid of your own possibilities, afraid of the land of Israel, afraid of standing up for yourself, afraid of standing up by the way for what you believe in politically or morally you just can't say out there today what you believe because you're just being judged all the time or you're going to be shamed or you're going to be cancel culture by the way uh, i had um th- there was a video of me surfaced saying some stuff and the the you know it's been seen now like thirty thousand times on twitter or something like that awesome. was it thirty thousand? um 
I was talking about the Temple Mount, and I said that God does not. Well, the the clip that they cut out, I said that that I was talking about Hashem or the Hashemites who should rule the Temple Mount. Hashem or the oh, Hashemites. Nice. I like that. Yeah. I'm like, that's right. I'm like, I'm like, the Hashemites are a substitute for Hashem. Like, we want Hashem, not Hashem. Okay. And 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 then I said that, you know, God says when you're in other people's lands, uh, we're supposed to be liberal. Jews are liberal. We 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 see the 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 beauty and the truth and the rights of other people to express themselves. But when God brings us back to Jerusalem, he says, be liberal with me. Give me my small Jerusalem, my small land of Israel, my small temple mount, to be free, and here's where I got in trouble, to be free of churches, of mosques, and of idolatry. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's right. So the, 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 the anti-Israel crew, and I, I don't mean, I mean that literally it was the anti-Israel crew, not the regular like Jewish crew uh, that is like left or liberal, picked up on it, and they, and they, and they, and they splashed it all over the internet, Asking Newsweek, shouldn't you cancel this uh, author? Ah, that they was went, the take. Right, they went right for cancel culture. Right for yeah. cancel culture. Uh, and you said, you of course said, well, I'm just quoting the the Svardik and Ashkenazic Rishonim. Yeah, or, 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 or how Josiah got rid of the idolatry. And, and no, but my, my point is, is that if you don't like the the stance that the church and the mosque might be idolatrous. So then you might as well cancel my entire um, legal history. That's right. And, and, and that, that's the thing. The thing is, is what I said was not, it wasn't really contentious. I was just saying what are, what are Jewish laws. No, no, it could be, it could be contentious. It was contentious. It was contentious but but, but it, it, was, it was not, the intent was not um, hateful or hurtful, nor was it just based in nothing. Meaning one of the challenges that the cancel culture seeks to avoid is that is that we have to also look at the realities that have shaped us. You can't just decide in the year 2020, I had to check, um, that this is this is what morality is, this is what truth is, and anything which doesn't conform to this. You know, they say we used to, the expression used to be, we are dwarves standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, now the perspective is we're giants standing on the shoulders of dwarves. Mm, mm, and, and, very and, powerful. and yeah, and, and, it's cr and we're crushing them. Right. We're crushing the past. Which, which notice, by the way, means that our ability to see gets less. Right. And also it's 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 a complete haughtiness in simple terms. Do you really think that you're a giant? And do you really think that the past are, are nobody's? I'll never forget, by the way, one of my one of my favorite stories, and I'm not sure it could have been that our mutual friend Zev showed it to me. I'm not sure, but I, I, this is an amazing thing. You could look it up that during the last tsunami in Japan. They, they, they kind of studied the area where the tsunami was hit. They found all these stones, these big monoliths. And it was written in Japanese 500 years ago, do not build below this line. Right. Okay, you I've build below this, this line. I think, it's in, I think you mentioned it to me too. It's in the New York Times. They have pictures of it. You just see these monoliths. Do not build. And I love it that the ancients sent us a message. The ancients well, sent us I a love it that we built a nuclear reactor below the lines. We didn't right. just like build a house. <laughs> Right, that's right. Like, so, oh, so yeah, on. what could possibly go wrong with the nuclear reactor below the tsunami line? Right, or or who knows? Who could believe that the water would come up to this line? That's absurd. And and the ancients are like, no, no, it comes up to here. You know, it comes up to here. It's it's got something to tell us. And minimally, we should we should listen to the agent, uh, uh, the ancients, uh, if not necessarily accept everything, but but at least you know deal with it. By the way, I want to tell you that I uh, I found a fabulous app for Dafyomi and I'm back on Dafyomi and I want to tell you and I know you know this I want to say to anybody who wants to start studying Talmud 
Gemara Shabbos is yeah. packed full of just great stuff, great questions. My favorite question yesterday was if you, if twins were born, one was born one was born on Friday before Shabbos, and the other one was born already on Shabbos. And let's say the, so the guy had to do a brit milah on Shabbat and on Sunday, on on Friday and on Sunday. But he, yeah, and but he switched between the two, and he did the mila for one kid one day early, and the other one he did it on Shabbos. That wasn't the right day; it wasn't the eighth day. So what happens? Like I was like, this is the greatest question I ever heard in my life. This is the greatest. <laughs> just, just the, just, just the contemplation of 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 this uh, knowledge. And I get I get some of my friends writing to me saying like, why do you guys study Talmud? What why is that important? And I just tell them it's the heart of Judaism. It's the heart of Judaism to know. You know how the ancients really thought, how they understood things, and to get that transmission. I have a Christian friend who's always challenging me and asking me, you know, why do you guys listen to the rabbis and stuff? And I just tell him, Moses is the first rabbi. Moses is the rabbi, and he's passing it down through the generations. Rabbi Mike Foyer, um, I want everybody to come check out your website, which is jewishstory.co. Uh, when, when they go to that website, they will learn so much including your fabulous. I'm, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to your new series. I'm very excited to listen to it because I am very excited to listen to, I listened to the whole six day, uh, six day war uh, uh, series, but I'm excited to listen, especially about Rabbi Alkali, who's been always very interesting to me. Uh, so I, I want to know more about him. That's on your new series about, about uh, the Herald the, of Zion. Heralds of Zion. That's very exciting. Uh, and you also do great spiritual counseling, so people can check that out and connect with you through jewishstory.co. Is that correct? Yeah, also on Facebook, Rob Mike Foyer, easy way to reach me. There you go. There you go. That is fabulous. I want to also talk about some of our sponsors, which are, for example, hebronfund.org. Uh, Hebron Fund is the organization that, that it's powered by. Hebron is powered by Hebron Fund, uh, and uh, it keeps strengthening us there to protect the tombs of the fathers and mothers, to give security to that community, uh, and to make sure that it's beautiful and ready for you to visit. Uh, Alavai, the, by the way, the tomb of the Rambam, beautiful site, so well kept up. Uh, I, I hope that Hebron will be like that as well. Our good friends at Tchelet.com. Uh, you want to wear the true blue juice string? Here, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing some right now. There it is. Uh, you can see it. There you go. That's right. Show it. Show it proud. Uh, and it's coupon code Yishai. That's right. We are in the time of Geula. That there's a coupon code for you to get uh, um, to be, get a deal on this ancient mitzvah come to life again. That's awesome. Wait, I don't. Do I have my new? Oh yes, here it is. Check this out. Go to IsraelWines.com. Also, coupon code Yishai. Get your wines from the land of Israel. Uh, have it delivered to your home. It's going to be awesome for you. And you know, put that into your into your bloodstream, the, the wine of Israel. Uh, it's that easy, israelwines.com. Uh, and help us keep broadcasting by please visiting ishaifleischer.com forward slash donate. Uh, and uh, that's right, we are building Israel together. That's our theme, building Israel together and broadcasting Israel together. Rabbi Mike Foyer, again, I, I want to thank you and, and just mention that today's show is dedicated to Leah Goldman and her memory, a mutual friend of ours, uh, a great lady uh, who, who the world misses, and as you said, continues to be active uh, from the worlds above. And also we want to wish the Pittenger family a big Mazal Tov for the birth of a new baby. Last thoughts, last comments from you. Last thoughts, last comments that, um, you know, Devarim is a book of reflection. You know, Moshe looking back over everything and trying to learn the lessons. We're in the nine days right now. It's a time that um, I think we're called to a very similar reflection. 
be it in the immediate circumstances of our life, the current phase of our people, or over the arc of the last 2,000 years. Don't miss the opportunity, people, as we begin the book of Devarim, yes. to take the time to retell our stories in a way in which is not only going to make us healthy in the present, but it's going to orient us positively for the future. Amen. I'm very good. And and that dovetails perfectly also with both Rosh Chodesh Av, uh, Tisha B'Av, but also this COVID crisis period that we're living in, a great yeah. time to reflect and to think deep and to also, I think, muster up the courage that when we get it, when we're breaking out of this jail, we're going big. Like yep. Joseph, we're going big. We're going all the way up uh, from this to something much, much bigger. As Shaul asks uh, on the Facebook, he says, you mentioned about Dafyomi app, but you didn't mention what app it, it is. And the app's name is Portal Dafyomi, but it's got plenty of English language uh, lessons as well. It's got like 100 different classes every day uh, on the Dafyomi. Portal Dafyomi, well, well-made app uh, with also you can – if hit, click a button, you'll see the, the page of the Talmud. Fabulous. Everything has worked out. Technology is working with us. Rabbi Mike Foyer, thank you again for being with us, and a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. God bless you guys wherever you are, Rabbi Mike. Thanks again. More great stuff is on the way. I want to say Shalom to all the good folks that are with us from all over the world, including Julie from York, and Shaul, and Lou, my good friend, uh, and Amy, uh, and Selwyn, and Noel. And everybody else that's out there all around the world. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Shalom and see you soon. Oh, yeah, and write me an email yishai at yishaifleischer.com or yishai at thelandofisrael.com. Lots of love. Shalom. The Land of Israel Network is your connection to Israel and the Jewish world. Listen to our show hosts, Ari Abramowitz, Jeremy Gimpel, Eve Harrow, Josh Haston, Shlomo Katz, Mike Foyer, Yishai Fleischer, and more. Keeping you up to date on news, politics, and spirituality. That's the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Broadcasting the truth and beauty of Israel to the world.